0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: In this League College Fantasy Football Podcast with host Scott Bogman, the gridiron scholar John Long, Eric Froton from NBC Sports Search, and Nick Allen, owner of CFB Winning Edge. College fantasy Starting fantasy football Welcome back, everybody. It's the In This League College Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Scott Bogner. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogner Sports. We're here on a waiver wire show again with my friend O Nicholas Ian Allen. He is the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. And for all of you asking, yes, we are going to continue to run the show. Uh we've had problems scheduling. I just moved. Uh that was at least two weeks of complications. There was another thing where I had to, you know, do some uh, unfortunate stuff uh, another weekend. And it's just been hard making uh, myself and John and Eric's schedules all line up. But I promise you, we are working on coming back and it should be this week. So for all of you that uh, said, Hey, is the show coming back? I miss it. Thank you very much. And yes, uh, just scheduling conflicts have murdered us this last month. But I don't foresee that being a problem in the future. So, We should be coming back to you every single week. So uh, that is why we're doing this show today. If you guys remember this from last year, this is late in the night, Saturday night. There are about seven games left to play, uh, seven to five, somewhere like that. A couple are in the ending stages, but a a bunch of them are before halftime still. Um, A couple games are giving me nightmares here. BYU is only up by six on Arizona, and I picked them to cover and have the over. So I'm upset about that one. But my Longhorns win. The Sooners look terrible. Uh, Texas A&M didn't stop uh, Kent State the way they probably should have. So I'm having a pretty good day, Nick. Um, And I know, uh, you know, the numbers I saw before, you're having a pretty solid day as well, my friend.
0: Yeah, we're off to a, a pretty good start, and uh, it's been hit or miss. Unfortunately, we've talked before, and on our show, yeah, uh, you know, the CFP Winning Edge podcast, uh, about when our three projection models line up in twenty twenty. That was really, really great for us. So it's been hit or miss so far, but the numbers as a whole uh, have been solid. Off to a off to a solid start. It looks like we're going to be above five hundred against the spread. Above five hundred. Uh, on over-unders and actually those all three agrees we've hit a few of those in a row so we might we might sneak ahead of 500 uh with those as well but yeah it's a uh, you know it, it's good first of all to get college football back in full force but to start off uh on a winning side of things from a uh, betting perspective from a, a you know grading our work perspective is certainly great and uh as of right now i'm ahead in a couple of uh cff leagues as well so it'd be great to get a a couple of wins uh to start the season uh on that note also
1: uh two of three i'm up in so uh i know i think at least one i think he might be out of players so i should hang on in the itl uh cff listener league so we'll see though i mean i could be missing something completely here uh but i need i need your guy cole turner to turn in a good game here but uh Let's uh, get to some of the news first. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go through position by position. We talk about the guys over 50% owned that had a good day that carried you to a win. The guys over 50% owned that probably helped you towards a loss. And then the guys that are under 50% rostered. So those guys should be available in most of your leagues and who we like to pick up out of that group. Let's start with some news. There was, of course, injury news. Week one is crazy with the injuries. It's always bad. Because, you know, they don't officially have to report anything, so a lot of stuff goes by the wayside, a lot of stuff gets missed, um, and you combine that with depth charts that are screwy and weird and change if performances are bad in the first half of games, so there is a lot to unpack here, so let's start at quarterback Nick, and, um, The first couple bits here, I'll just run through it all, and you can talk about what you want to talk about. Oklahoma State uh, quarterback Spencer Sanders didn't play due to COVID protocol. Shane Ellingworth uh, picked up the start for him. Washington State decided to go with Jericho Garantano, over Jaden DeLora. Memphis quarterback Grant Connell did not suit up. Seth Hennigan start, got the start for Memphis. Uh, Temple quarterback Dwayne Mathis left with an ankle injury. Didn't look good before that. Uh, Eastern Michigan quarterback Preston Hutchinson left with a possible concussion. Peyton Thorne started over Anthony Russo from Michigan State. And your boy Jeff Sims, uh, Georgia Tech QB, uh, left with a shoulder injury. So uh, a lot to unpack here at quarterback, Nick.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the first thing that, uh, you know, from yesterday, from Friday night, uh, Preston Hutchinson kind of in a, a difficult situation, not only the injury, but it seems like, and it kind of took a lot of us by surprise, that he's going to be splitting him. that job. Yeah. yeah. And there's some talk I know in the uh, ITL me uh, room about how there were some signs and and you know i for one i guess just didn't really believe them um but the athlon sports magazine had uh cincinnati transfer ben bryant listed as a starter in the preseason i didn't really believe it uh and then had heard some you know whispers or or seen some uh pieces here and there that pointed to bryant really giving hutchinson a run for that job and uh just i guess. Again, didn't believe it, kind of ignored it. I had Hutchinson as a top 20 quarterback in the uh, preseason in my rankings and uh, probably just should have, you know, uh, either listened a little bit more or put a little more uh, emphasis uh, or, or, you know, I guess. Credence, uh, like, yeah. Oh, right, exactly. Um, because that's that's going to be an issue, not, not just the injury there. But uh, others, it sounds like I saw just before we hit record that uh, – Oklahoma state expects Spencer Sanders back next week. Um, So that is, that is good news ahead of next week's game. Um, The Washington state situation is certainly very interesting. I know a lot of people uh, have been excited about Jane Delora. He got the start as a true freshman last season. Um, But, you know, I I said it early in the off season and I, I backed off it a bit because I started to believe it a little bit less and less, but um, you know, that Washington state, coaching staff didn't act as quickly as they did to bring in a senior quarterback without a plan to give him a legitimate shot to win the job. And, and, um, Delora's, you know, had some off the field things that, that have, uh, shown maybe some immaturity and and just hasn't been able to hold that job down. So, uh, it's early in that Washington state game so far. Um, you know, I haven't, haven't gotten a lot of, of, uh, looks at Garantano specifically, but I know they are starting a little bit slow on the offensive side. So not sure he has a real stronghold on that job, but um, suddenly, you know, certainly something to watch because that Washington state offense was uh, you know, pretty valuable for a while. And that, uh, you know, before that Hawaii offense under the, the current Washington state head coaching staff or, or coaching staff as a whole, I should say. Uh, so certainly something to watch there. Memphis, very interesting. Hennigan, I I had read some uh, really glowing things about him uh, this summer, which I I was able to pick him up in a very deep uh, dynasty uh, draft that that you and I are are in a league together in and didn't expect at all that he would be the starter in week one. And I know Ganell has uh, obviously been dealing with some injuries. Didn't suit up in the game, but it sounded like Hennigan was really pushing for the job, just maybe to to Anybody, win it outright. Yeah. So he's certainly somebody to keep an eye on. And I didn't get, I didn't see any of of that game, uh, but you know, would like to to probably catch a, a quick uh, recap or, or some highlights to see how Hennigan looked because some of the the reports that I'd read in the summer sounded. Sounded like he could be, or the staff at least thought that he could be a special player. So uh, we may be seeing him for the next few years, and and Gunnell, you know, might be in danger there. I know there were some folks who were pretty high on him uh, in the preseason as well. Mathis, you're right. I don't think you know looked very good, and and then the injury is certainly a concern. Uh, and then Jeff Sims, I kind of want to you know see the severity of that. I yeah. I personally was very high on Sims and I believe I, I started him in the uh CFF site four for one four and one league uh this week thinking against Northern Illinois a pretty good uh matchup there. But you know Georgia Tech lost that game and, and part of the reason of course is that Sims got injured early on. But um you know we'll we'll just sort of have to keep an eye on that because without him one Georgia Tech is is going to be in trouble. But two Uh, We were expecting a lot of growth, or I was, out of Sims as a quarterback this season and and certainly thought that he had the potential to be uh, a valuable CFF commodity. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to to bounce back. But the fact that he went out with an injury and did not return, not a great sign to start.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a a rough one. Now, moving over to running back here, uh, and this one is just so unfortunate because Mo Ibrahim was – really leading the charge of Minnesota beating Ohio State for the whole first half and um, you know uh, the offense for Ohio State really picked it up in the second half that was probably more the contributing factor but a huge factor to why Minnesota lost this game was because Mo Ibrahim went out and just all the momentum and the wind came all the way out of the sails for the Gophers, and he left with what looked like a bad leg injury. Uh, LSU's running back John Emery missed the opener due to academic issues. Illinois running back Jafar Armstrong missed his second straight game with an undisclosed injury. Ohio State went and started uh, Mayan Williams. They did rotate. Travion Henderson was in there. Master Teague had a couple carries, but it looks like a four-back rotation right now, which is not great for CFF. South Carolina running back Kevin Harris didn't play with a back injury, even though two days ago they said he was going to. They flipped and said he was not before the game. Texas Tech running back's Roderick Thompson didn't play with a shoulder injury. And Boise State running back George Helani didn't play for an undisclosed reason on Thursday. So your thoughts on the running back news here, Nick?
0: Really, really hate to see uh, Moe Abraham go down. I mean, uh, not only was he a top-two running back, in a lot of people's eyes, in CFF, uh, was off to such a great start against Ohio State. Put up, you know, bigger numbers than I think any of us really expected. Looked awesome. Minnesota was, uh, you know, winning that game, I believe, when he went down. They were certainly, um, you know, had the lead at halftime and, and looked really, really good. But seems like, unfortunately, um, you know, immediately a lot of people were saying Achilles. Uh, I don't think we've gotten official confirmation just yet, but um, sounds like a significant injury and and just a real a real bummer because he is a, yeah. uh, a you know really really fun player to watch, incredibly productive. Um, was off to such a great you know start to the season, um, so that's just a, a real be- you know real piece of bad news there. Uh, Harris, you know, I think a lot of people. Uh, hopefully, took a cautious approach. Uh, back injuries are, are, you know, not something that goes away quickly, and and so when you hear that early in fall camp, have to expect that it's going to be something you know to, to uh, keep an eye on, deal with, and and it you know he was what there were three or four ors on the depth chart, which doesn't always we can't always believe that, but. Uh, South Carolina has got plenty of depth at the running back position. So uh, not a shock at all that he did not play, S- you know, Ohio State, pretty similar situation, not for an injury, but just because they've got a lot of really good players. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Brian Williams is somebody that, you know, was getting some buzz early on in fall camp and, and uh, actually a little bit in the off season. I I read the athletic a lot and and listen to their Ohio state podcast when I can. And, and uh, they've been talking about Mayan Williams for months and months and expected that he was going to have a legitimate shot to be a uh, big time piece of that offense. And then Travion Henderson, you know, we saw how he was just absolutely shot out of a cannon um, on that, TD reception that that basically put the game away uh, Thursday night, He's he, you're not going to be able to keep him off the field. So it's uh, a situation where there are going to be at least one or two really productive running backs at Ohio State. We just don't necessarily – probably know who it's going to be week to week. It, it seems like at least a two headed, uh, or probably three headed because, you know, of course, Master Teague is still there. Um, and was a starter last year and has just done some good things in the past. So that's going to be a tricky situation to navigate. Uh, Sir Patrick Thompson, a little bit of a surprise. He, he didn't, uh, play. It sounded like I, I thought that he was trending toward playing, um, uh, over the last couple of weeks, but he's been dealing with that shoulder injury for months now, it sounds like. So uh, certainly something to watch there. And then uh, George Helani's situation is, is again, uh, just sort of a reminder of something we, unfortunately, have to deal with week to week in CFF, where uh, everything you've heard or, or you, on the other hand, haven't heard anything until... Uh, <laughs> and, and what five minutes before kickoff and uh, yeah yeah it was it is, and then just, literally oh,
1: yeah C- out. <laughs> yeah CK or uh, not uh, not that one but Kevin Harris I think was the same thing it was like ten minutes before and uh CK was like, all right here's the three guys that we can go with and we went with the worst option <laughs> it was unfortunate he was like, this guy I'm leaning towards us and I said that's what I was gonna say it was shorter for North Texas and he didn't do anything so um you know but that's just, that's the way she goes. That's why sometimes you just have to be paranoid and looking at the you know warm ups and all that stuff. And that's why you know RotoWire is a pretty solid follow uh, for stuff like that. Um, the RotoWire CFB uh, Twitter because they will tweet out you know if they get a report about somebody not um, starting you know they they'll tweet it out. So that's a pretty solid resource there uh if you are looking for something uh about that but that's you know that and combing through twitter is about all you can do and you know you see uh people go psycho about it especially during playoff weeks you know uh i'll get tweets like hey you hear anything about this guy i'm like man i'm hearing the same stuff you are right you know like there's no news so uh some of that stuff just does bite you but um anything else on running backs Were there any surprise depth charts or rotations that caught you off guard uh, nothing comes to mind immediately. Um,
0: but maybe, maybe my memory will get jogged here in a minute. Uh, it's, it's the first, first week in a, or, you know, first long oh, yeah. Saturday. So I'm, I'm probably
1: forgetting some <laughs> brain has not adjusted yeah. yet. mine neither. So, <laughs> you know, mine has not either. So, uh, I'm right there with you. Um, but uh, let's go to whiteouts here. Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley said that Theo Weiss will miss at least half of the season with a leg injury. That's not good. Michigan wide receiver Ronnie Bell made a couple amazing plays in this game and then unfortunately had to be carted off with what looked like a nasty knee injury. Uh, so we'll see about that. Uh, one of our favorites, Nick, Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore left with an injury. Didn't see what it was. Uh, Georgia State's uh, Sam Pinkney didn't play with uh, due to COVID protocols. Miami Mike. Uh, Mike Harley, wide receiver, left uh, with an upper body injury. Eric Gilbert didn't travel with Georgia due to a personal matter. UNC's wide receiver Bo Corrales will miss a significant amount of time after having uh, surgery for a sports hernia. And then Chris Altman bell from Minnesota didn't play uh, because of an ankle injury, but he is expected back next week as it stands right now from what I've seen. So uh, your thoughts on any of the wide receiver news?
0: Uh, so the, the Sky Moore, I believe it was an ankle. I, I just happened to look up, uh, right when, uh, he was limping off the field and it, it seemed like a, a, an ankle, a low body injury of some sort. Um, uh, we'll have to, you know, uh, of course, pay attention to, to Twitter, see what we can find out, uh, in the next few days to see if that's something that is, uh, going to be significant or not. Ronnie Bell, really sad to see, similar to, to Ibrahim, was off to such a great start. Super impressive. Uh, several plays, as you mentioned, and then and, and to see him go down with what looked like something really significant. It's probably going to be out for the year or a, a significant amount of time. Uh, Theo Weiss, uh, you know, he, he's somebody I was kind of eyeing in the, the very late rounds of a lot of best balls and, and things like that because there's got to be a number two emerge at Oklahoma. And, and I know a lot of people have been high on Mike Woods, the transfer from uh, Arkansas and, and some other guys are in the mix and fr- uh, freshmen look good today. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly a, a, a loss because though Oklahoma is very talented at receiver, they're kind of young and, and they're actually, uh, similarly to the running back position, they're they're a little bit thin, so it's it's uh, not a unit that really can withstand a lot of injury. They're, I think, of course, going to be able to to put up plenty of yards and points and, and have some uh, big time performers. And, and maybe the the lack of depth will actually you know help a guy like Marvin Mims or Woods to get a, a much higher. Uh, percentage of targets than maybe we would expect from an Oklahoma offense that spreads it around so much, but it's uh, you know it, it's certainly something to watch because they uh, are a little bit you know they're thinner than most. There are looking at the FBS team profiles that that I do, um, most teams have a dozen or more or so wide receivers listed uh, on on our depth charts and oklahoma is you know single digits and and that might not sound significant too busy turning them into
1: corners i think uh (laughs) (laughs) well well you know that's something to watch too
0: i mean a five-star freshman started at uh nickelback or at least was planning to uh who a lot of people this time last year we're so excited about what he would do as a receiver at at Oklahoma. So they're going to have to get creative. They're going to have to get the ball, to tight ends and H backs and, and all that good stuff. But also, you know, maybe it's going to be more targets for, uh, like I said, a guy like mems or woods.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, we'll we'll see. They they've been a little snake bitten with injury wide, uh, injuries to wide receivers over the last few years. So, uh, hopefully, you know, I can't imagine that Spencer Rattler doesn't get back on track. He started slow last year as well. So, uh, we'll see what goes on with him. Uh, anything else on, on the wide receivers? I mean, Charlie Kohler didn't play uh, due to an ankle injury. He was another weird one as far as, uh, game injuries go because, uh, and this was, you know, unfortunately from Roto a while, wire, but, but they said he's not going to play. And then, well, he's warming up. Okay. Wait a minute. No, he's not warming up. No, no, he is warming up. So I don't know what the it must have been conflicting reports on Twitter, you know. So it was one of those uh, crazy things. But he ended up not playing. But anything else on him or uh, wide receivers uh, and any depth chart stuff you want to throw in there, of course, uh, feel free.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's we we went through the same thing with Chris Altman Bell, right? I mean, it looked like yeah. he was uh, not going to play. It was was not out early for. Uh, warm-ups but then he was suited up and and then uh, eventually just wasn't able to uh, to go but yeah it's it's just one of those things unfortunately we have to be so pay so much attention uh, to uh, what's going on and and uh, you know hopefully if we're dealing with a situation like that one we have heard about it Early on, I hadn't heard anything about Kohler. So that kind of, yeah. um, you know, w- was a surprise. And at the tight end position, normally we don't carry a, a real deep bench there. So you you certainly could be in a, a bad spot last second if a guy is not going to be able to, to make it. Um, but with, uh, you know, receivers using Altman Bell as sort of a, a similar example, um, we had heard or, or had at least, There have been reports uh, for a week or so uh, leading up to it. And at that point, I think we just kind of have to err on the side of caution more times than not. Where if we're hearing some rumblings of a guy, you know, is going to try to give it a a go. um, If you have another option, just go with the other option. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Looks like Garantano is on the bench currently.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, As so goes,
0: losing five to three halfway through this thing.
1: I mean, who hit the double for, uh, you know, an RBI there? Jeez, five to three. Very strange football score. Uh, but, uh, all right. So let's go now position by position here, Nick. And, uh, you know, there's, That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Quarterback. The over 50% rostered players that had great games. Uh, Bailey Zappi just dominated. Uh, who did they play? UT Martin? Is that who it was? Uh, so uh, he just smoked them for seven touchdowns, 424 yards. Desmond Ritter went off for over 40 points. He had uh, four touchdowns, 295 yards, and a rushing score. Dylan Gabriel for UCF. I mean, UCF looked kind of shaky in the first, like, quarter and a half, but they really came on after that. Uh, Four touchdowns, two picks for him. Uh, Brendan Armstrong for UVA against William & Mary, 334 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Phil Djokovic for uh, Boston College, 303 and three scores. Uh, Bryce Young for Bama, 344 and four. I believe he sat the... uh, Um, the record for passing yards and touchdowns for a first time starter for Alabama in that game against Miami, which they just dominated and CJ Stroud, uh, Ohio state was looking rough to start, but they really did pour it on in the second half, 294 yards and four scores for him. So, uh, not really anything super shocking here. And a lot of it was done against, uh, some subpar competition, but, uh, some of the big dogs paying off immediately.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Zappy, it was good to see. It was good to see that Western Kentucky offense look like what we expected, what what we had heard uh, it was going to look like, because it, it of course, makes sense. I mean, they brought him from Houston Baptist, the offensive coordinator, three or four different receivers. And and so you had to think, okay, they're they're going to try to do the same thing. And that HBU offense was uh, just so explosive, so productive uh, last year and, and really the, the last couple of years. But until we see it at the FBS level, I, at least, uh, you know, I, I did go after Zappi a, a few times and got a couple of shares of him. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a little bit of me, just a little bit nervous to see, are they actually going to be able to pull this off? And, and right. it, uh, you know, the first, uh, drive. He threw an interception, and they're uh, <laughs> like, "Oh man, what's what's going on?" Uh, but then, 400 yards, seven touchdowns later, yeah, it's it's it, it was he all right. obviously, yeah. yeah, it was obviously an FCS opponent. They're not going to play an FCS opponent every week, but later in the year and in, in just a few weeks, they get to start playing conference USA defenses every week. And and there are a couple of tough ones there, but there are a lot of really weak ones too. So we'll take uh, four I,
1: touchdowns, you know, uh, instead sure. of seven all day. It's still a ton of points
0: and we'll take 40 pass attempts. And, and that yes. was, uh, you know, that, that to me, that was, was a win a going away too. Yeah. 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 Uh, similarly, I felt pretty good. I know he, he had the ugly pick six early on, um, where just uh, somebody on on Twitter, I think it might have been, I think it might have been Thor Nyström mentioned it, uh, but just said it looked like he just hit the wrong button, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like uh, he 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 was staring <laughs> down his receiver, he was wide open and and hit circle instead of X or or whatever it was, and just threw a, an interception right to a guy, returned it hundred yards uh, for a touchdown. But similarly to Western Kentucky, I think we can. Uh, feel pretty positive about the way the UCF offense looked. A lot of people were concerned that, hey, Gus Malzahn's gone there. Are they just going to uh, you know, be this methodical, rushing team? And they certainly did lean on the run later on. And Isaiah Bowser, I'm sure we'll talk about, had a, a, a very, very solid game. Um, but they started throwing early and Gabriel threw a lot and he ran a little bit more than we saw under Hypel. So uh, Gabriel is somebody that I shied away from a lot. I think I got him in the very first best ball I did uh, just because he he fell to me. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I, I got him ever again. And partly it was just because I was really nervous. I, I, I thought that there was a chance that the Gus Malzahn offense uh, would look a little closer to what we saw a decade or more ago when he was at Tulsa as an offensive coordinator, when he had a 5,000-yard passer and 3,000-yard and receivers. But that had been so long, and we haven't seen it in so long, that I wasn't quite ready to to uh, go out on a limb, I felt like, and, and go after Gabriel. I feel confident that that Gus is going to let Gabriel be Gabriel. And, and let him throw it a bunch. Let him run it a little bit. That that this uh, performance is certainly uh, repeatable, and and that's great to see. Bryce Young, man, he looked great. I mean, yeah. you know, Alabama uh is going to be just fine after yeah. losing all the all the players they lost. No problem. Uh, Every other team
1: seemed to miss a beat, even for like uh, even if it was a half, like Ohio yeah. State for a half missed a beat. Alabama missed no beats at right. all. Right.
0: Right, and similarly, I'm not sure I ended up with Bryce Young anywhere this year, and and partly it's just because he was going so high. I mean, top yeah. you know, five or six quarterback basically from the the very first draft, and I just am a little bit slow to pull the trigger on a uh, first time starter, even though you know I I I know the Alabama offense is not contingent on the play caller, but you know. Bill O'Brien, new play caller. How's that going to work? Bryce Young, new quarterback. All these new weapons. I just there was there was a, a, enough unknown that I just felt uh, a little too cautious. Just wasn't quite ready to um, you know pay that price, I guess, to to go and get him, knowing I was probably giving up a, a pretty good opportunity. Because of course. He's going he's put up great numbers at Alabama, and, and yeah. at this point we should uh, just expect it. But I was just too shy to do it. Somebody was always uh, in a position willing to, to go up there and, and get him uh, before I felt you know comfortable enough. Uh, but, hey, he's going to be great, I think. C.J. Stroud kind of interestingly in a similar situation but just wasn't quite at that elite uh, level as a – mid-second-round pick, I think is most of, of where Young was, was going. Uh, Stroud was somebody that was, you know, by the end of the, the offseason, third and fourth round. And part of that was because Quinn Ewers showed up and, and uh, they've got so much, you know, quarterback uh, talent there that it wasn't the, hey, this is our guy 100%. He's already got a million-dollar check in the bank, Bryce Young. It was CJ Stroud. He's, you know, he's he's probably the the front runner, probably <laughs> going to be the starter. But they've got all these other guys, yeah. And so he was somebody that did fall to me quite a bit, and I ended up with with uh, three or four shares of him. And he was a little shaky early on, but uh, you know, if he just if he can get the ball. To Wilson and uh, Olave and Henderson, and they can take a you know turn a short pass into a long touchdown. Then you have a guy with thirteen yards per pass attempt, four touchdowns, and almost three hundred yards. And uh, you know, I think he played well enough that that he's going to get the start next week. And you have to think if if he's able to to distribute the ball uh, like that, and they're able to to you know keep winning, that he's got a pretty good chance to hold on to that job. There's a little bit of risk there, but I think right now um, you have to think that, that, Hey, you know, we got a great game out of CJ Stroud
1: early on.
0: And uh, I I think he's got a pretty good chance to, to keep it up.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, I I think these guys should be keeping it up for most of the year, clearly. And uh, I thought Bryce Young was closer to the end of the first round than a mid second round, but maybe I'm, uh, misremembering, I, or I think by the end of it, yeah, I, I, yeah.
0: I, I have these best balls that I did. I did
1: half a dozen <laughs> of them, uh,
0: over the last, you know, six weeks or two months or whatever it was, and they kind of jumble together. And I know early on, I got some some grief from uh, from Froton because I took uh, Grayson McCall ahead of had the opportunity to take both <laughs> Bryce Young and DJ Younggale. And just have a similar feeling or did have a similar feeling about both of them where I just felt better about McCall having seen him in a full season as a starter. I just felt more comfortable there knowing I was giving up an opportunity on, on those guys. Right. Uh, but at that point, young was still mid second that, that particular instance right, happened right. in the, in the middle of the second round. But I think you're right that he was, he was definitely moving up. Uh, into the first round uh, by the end, for sure.
1: Now, the guys that are over 50% and had bad games. Now, I put, look, uh, Spencer Rattler still had over 300 yards and threw a touchdown and ran one in. He had two scores, so he scored over 20 points, but in a game against Tulane where you're a 31-point favorite, I think people expected more than 20 points. So I did put him on this list, but my my median line was pretty much 15 and under. So the other guys that show up on this list, Sam Howell, 208 yards, three picks, just did not look good against Virginia Tech. Uh, DJ uh, not great either. 2.92 points, was sacked seven times, had um, 178 yards and a pick and negative rushing yards. Not fantastic for him. Uh, Derek King against Bama had a rough one, 179 yards, two picks, one touchdown, 10 rushing yards. Uh, Dustin Crum, uh, just over five points against Texas A&M, and A and m a 27 to three loss, 89 yards passing, 60 rushing, almost mass, mass, uh, mat, uh matched. Good lord, I cannot speak, it's late. Um, oh, passing and rushing yards that is never good. Brock Purdy, 199 yards, uh, and 58 yards on the ground, but no touchdowns, also no picks. Uh, Jaden Daniels uh, left early with some cramping. I think he's going to be okay, but this one was real ugly, Nick. Michael Penix Jr. against Iowa threw two pick sixes and scored negative points. He had 156 yards passing, uh, three interceptions, negative seven rushing yards, and no touchdowns. So I guess, who are you concerned about? Who are you not concerned about here? And um, I mean, because some of these guys, I'm not really concerned about DJ moving forward or Derek King or Dustin Crum. Uh, probably not Brock Purdy either. But are you worried about Rattler, Howell, um, Michael Penix, or anybody I mentioned that I'm not worried about?
0: I don't think so. I, I think Rattler is is going to be fine. And he, you mentioned he started a little slow last year. Um, today, you know, had a couple of picks early, and that was, you know, that was tough. But last year he responded after he, you know. Had some struggles early on. Talk, you know, got benched in that Texas game uh, for a short while. Came back and and was really able to bounce back and and work himself into you know one of the one of the top quarterbacks in college football. I think he's going to be just fine. I think Sam Howell's probably going to be just fine. Um, that that just seemed like a really inspired Virginia Tech defense and uh just seemed like a a bit of a bad game the offensive line i think was was definitely to blame um that's something that you will have to keep an eye on but i expect that 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 unit will uh improve and and how will continue to be or or you know from here on out will be fairly productive uh dj i think is is uh going to be just fine as well obviously uh, really, really rough game today, but that Georgia defense is good and fast, and nothing like Clemson's going to see uh, week in and week out in the ACC. So I, I think that he's going to build some confidence again. Uh, I know there was some, you know, Kirk Herbstreit was talking about how it looked like uh, it was just a a uh, game. The game looked like it was maybe fast. It, it didn't. It hadn't slowed down um, for. Uh, dj like like a you would expect them. it started. was yeah you know. yeah um but uh i, I think that he's going to be i think he's going to be fine the guys like like king and crumb uh and and i guess to a lesser expen- extent purdy and daniels their their performances today weren't completely unexpected right. uh, purdy and daniels were guys who were you know in in the 20s 30s and a lot of people's preseason rankings and and so you know you you certainly would have expected this would be one of their better games not one of their worst games but fcs opponents are always a little bit tricky sometimes you get out to a big lead early and and just you know a lot of rush long rushing touchdowns or whatever can lead to a a pretty uh pedestrian uh quarterback scoring um crumb we knew the Texas A&M defense was solid. Uh, they they certainly kept him in check. I think a little bit better than I expected, but that's again, you know, similar to, to the point about uh, Uyanga Lele. Once we get into com- uh, you know, MAC conference play, he's not going to face a defense like that again. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he will in, in non-conference the next couple of weeks. Uh, presents. Yeah, some, he some,
1: he has a rough reaction. early
0: schedule, Crumb does. Yeah. He does. Yeah. But I think I think later on, again, he's going to be just fine. King, I feel somewhat similarly about, you know, Alabama is, I think, as well as Georgia played, I think Alabama's the best defense in the country, uh, from a just speed and talent standpoint. Uh and, and so he just, you know, this this wasn't it. And and you probably hopefully weren't starting king. We're, you know, didn't have huge expectations for him today. And he was a guy who was, you know, late teens and a lot of people's, uh, rankings, uh, uh you know, QB two, sometimes QB three type guy. So this hopefully will be the worst of it for, for some of these guys. And I think that they will be able to bounce back, but especially at the top of the list, Rattler, Howell, Uyunglele, I'm not, I'm not worried about those guys yet. If they put, if they put up another, uh, you know, big time struggle then, then, maybe we can start to to talk about it a little bit more. But as of right now, I think it's you know slow start. They'll bounce back. i'm not I'm not worried. Just got a little uh, you know a slow start, a little bit unlucky uh, if you had to start those guys today uh, based on probably where you drafted them, but I, I don't think it's time to panic yet.
1: Uh, all right. So let's move down to the possible waiver wire guys. And I've kind of shortened this list up a little bit, uh, from last year, but if, so if there's anyone else, Nick, that you can think of that, uh, you want to throw in here, feel free, but, uh, Tanner you don't Mordecai, want me to talk
0: about them all for 20 minutes.
1: No, 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 probably not. <laughs> but, um, uh, T- Tanner Mordecai from SMU put up over 50 points. He's 48% on. He's probably not around, uh, but he threw seven touchdowns against Abilene Christian, uh, to Leah Tunga Viola, For Maryland, had a a big game, uh, over 30 points for him, 332 yards and three touchdowns. Bo Nix against Akron had a big one, 275 and three scores. Adrian Martinez looked good against Fordham, thank God, 254 and a touchdown and two rushing. Michael Pratt was huge against Oklahoma, 296 yards and three touchdowns and one on the ground for over 33 points for him. Will Rogers for Mississippi State against Louisiana Tech, they won that game by one point. He had three hundred seven yards and three touchdowns. Kenny Pickett against UMass was good, uh, 272 yards and two. K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas, uh, they they got off to a slow start against Rice a little bit, but he did turn it on. 100, only 128 passing yards, a touchdown and a pick, but 89 and two scores on the ground for him. Uh, Chris Reynolds for Charlotte upsetting Duke. I believe they said it was the first time they've ever beat a Power Five team. Nick was not surprised because if you listen to CFB Winning Edge, you know, I think Charlotte was slightly favored by you. And um, you have been saying that Duke is probably the worst P5 team in the country this year. And it did show uh, 324 yards and three touchdowns and one on the ground for Chris Reynolds. Uh, Will Leavis. For uh, Kentucky, uh, 367 yards and four touchdowns. Terry Wilson for New Mexico against Houston Baptist at 174 yards and three touchdowns. 269 and two for Kendall with a rushing uh, touchdown in that game against Mississippi State. And then uh, Artur Sik- uh, Sikowski for uh, Illinois, 216 yards, three touchdowns against UTSA in a loss. So um, I guess who are you believing in out of this group, Nick? Obviously Mordecai seven touchdowns and 48% owned. He's uh, a clear one. Who else are you believing in?
0: So uh, Mordecai, great sign. I mean, to to see him uh, throw for seven touchdowns is, is certainly uh, a great, great sign to see he was somebody who was really pushed hard in fall camp by uh, a true freshman uh, challenger. But for him to put up this type of performance, you have to think, okay, he, it, it's his job. He's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of a, a leash now. So uh, that that was definitely a, a great sign to see. Tango Bailoa is somebody who has been intriguing. And showed some promise, but he's a bit of a roller coaster today. Was a, a high, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we'll see some lows, uh, you know, in some weeks, but he can certainly put it together and, and have a big day, uh, here or there. Bo Nicks, I'm not buying Adrian Martinez, I think I'm off the, the Adrian Martinez uh, train after the Illinois game. Um, just too unpredictable, uh, can put up some good rushing numbers from time to time, but I just, I, I, I don't want to deal with his uh, sort of week to week roller uh, anymore. Michael Pratt, different story. He, he was impressive today against Oklahoma. And I, I know that, uh, you know, I've been saying that that Oklahoma defense is, is good. It's not the, uh, you know, the, the Oklahoma defense of old today, they did kind of look like that. I will admit, but, um, you know, I, I think that Michael Pratt had something to do with that. He was impressive today. Can run it, can obviously throw it as well. Putting up almost 300 yards and, and three touchdowns. Will Rogers led uh, Mississippi State from a 20 point deficit in the second half to to come back and win that game. So that's a great sign. That's a quarterback situation that. Uh, we were concerned about because similar to Washington state, we've seen it be very productive. We saw it be very productive at Washington state. Um, But uh, you know, with there being multiple challengers for the job with Rogers, not really taking the job and running with it in, in uh, fall camp, it seemed um, you know, there was some concern there, but for him to come in, lead that come from behind, uh, a victory put up 370 yards and, and three touchdowns you feel pretty good as a will rogers owner that again he's got a little bit of leash he's going to be able to to hold that job down for at least a few weeks where if he continues to produce then hey you're in a pretty good spot there pickett i'm i'm not that interested in the only thing that i i will say about him is he's probably going to pick up you know a few rushing touchdowns because if pitt gets to the one yard line it's a QB sneak 98 percent of the time and and so uh you know they throw it a ton but they don't get a lot of yards per uh attempt um but you know you don't get to play umass every week yeah kj jefferson uh good to see the passing yards i think will come Rice is a pretty tough defense but he has Traylon burks and nobody else does so um good to see that he can run but I, I think that uh, I think he's definitely somebody that I was probably a little too low on. I don't, I don't think I got any shares of, of KJ Jefferson this year just because the people in, in drafts I was in uh, always were just a, a bit higher on him than I was. Uh, but he's a, a really, really good player. going to be exciting to watch him this year. Chris Reynolds, great game versus Duke. It was Duke. I am really you know low on Duke. Our projections I hate Duke just absolutely hate Duke, Um, (laughs) but he plays in Conference USA, and he can run, and he is healthy. That's a big thing because he was not healthy last year, Um, so good to see that. Will Levis, great game, ULM. As the opponent, so you have to take it a little bit with a, a grain of salt, but he is incredibly talented, can run, has a huge arm. It looks like the offense is is different. They brought in a new offensive coordinator. They were attacking down the field today. That's a great sign, so I think you can uh, get excited about Will Levis, uh, at least in non-conference play. We'll have some some tough SEC matchups, of course, but Kentucky has a pretty weak schedule. And Terry Wilson at, at New Mexico, early on, they, they have a week schedule. Uh, they get to play New Mexico State uh, coming up. And this is the New Mexico State uh, that, by the way, is, is shutting out San Diego State in halftime. But um, <laughs> it, it's also the New Mexico State that we saw lose 30-3 to to UTEP last week. So With the worst
1: uh, camera people in the business.
0: Oh, man, so. <laughs> that was rough. It was rough. Uh, but Terry Wilson is, is somebody that I think you're going to be able to pick some spots but a couple of those spots are coming up in the next week or two, um, so you, you probably want to grab him if you need him now, and then probably look to to drop him once they, uh, you know, get into some some tougher uh, non-conference game, or excuse me, tougher games in conference play when they're going up against some of the the you know top tier Mountain West teams. Uh, Austin Kendall is a little bit banged up, but great to see him. He he broke off uh, like a fifty yard touchdown. Run. Uh, which was a surprise off to me. The wheels. Did not expect that, but uh, <laughs> he he came in, won that job quickly, looked good, put up some good numbers against an SEC defense, a pretty good SEC defense uh, from from you know last season. They lost some guys, of course, but uh, feel pretty good about him. Arthur Sikowski, no,
1: not interested. Um, <laughs> he's he's not going to be mean, the what- starter. When Peters comes back, yeah, he won't yeah. even be in there. Uh, yeah. He's looked better than he looked at Rutgers, but not great. You're right. absolutely right him. I agree. Uh, let's go to running backs here. And, um, you know, uh, some guys put up some huge games. Tyler Batty for Missouri, uh, 39 points, 203 yards and a touchdown. And, one through the air. So two scores for him. Devontae Price for Florida International. Uh, I don't even, I can't even remember who they played, but he scored three touchdowns and had 165 yards. And it was an FCS school and they dominated whoever it was. Uh, My boy Bijan, 103 yards on the ground with a touchdown, plus four catches for 73 yards and a score through the air. Um, So he put up over 30 points. Letty Brown with two scores on the ground and one through the air. Uh, he, He scored over 30. Mo Ibrahim before he got hurt. Had 163 yards and two touchdowns. Lou Nichols for Central Michigan against Missouri. Had 135 and a score and 40 receiving yards. Tank Bigsby, um, Zonovan Knight, uh, Brian Kobach, Jerome Ford, Cameron Peoples, Deuce Vaughn, Chris Rodriguez, Kevin Marks. All 20 points or more in their first game of the season. So, uh, some big-time backs winning you some weeks here.
0: Yeah. uh, Great to see these guys, you know, step up and and play up.
1: Uh, What? Did, have you heard uh, an update on B. John Robinson? Uh, no, but he I think he's going to be OK. He got uh, he did land weird and fumbled the ball. Um, but I mean, if you guys remember last year, he also had, uh, you know, a yeah, weird looking. Yeah, he fell yeah. like it was like on his collarbone and his feet came up almost such the back of his head and he just popped back up and he played in that game. I think they took no. him out as a precaution they were up pretty big. Um, I did text his uncle and his uncle tells me he's fine but uh, I'm not 100% sure. So uh, okay. but I, I think he's going to be okay for next week. We'll see.
0: Who do they who do they
1: play next week? Um yeah, it's Arkansas. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So that that's something we're definitely going to have to watch cuz it was it was an ugly it was an ugly I I yelped when I saw yeah, it. it was, yeah, yeah, me was, too. Oof. Uh, but you know other names on this list. Great, great to see Tyler Beatty. I know he's somebody that uh, late in the off really started to run up uh, people's draft boards, and it was great to see him pay off with a big game. That Central Michigan defense is is no joke. I mean, they you know to put up 200 yards uh, against that unit, which has some talented players, uh, especially in the front seven, and for them to get him in the mix in the passing game, which we know that's been a big part of his role before. Uh, But to see that in addition to this, uh, you know, high end rushing success is is really, really great to see. Devontae Price is somebody who's been uh, probably a bit underrated most of the, uh, you know, draft season, looked explosive, looks fully healthy, uh, didn't get a, a, a lot of, action but you know <laughs> did did uh did about as well as you could expect with with the opportunities he was given uh so that was good to see liu is a really really bad team so i would not expect um you know fiu i didn't learn a ton about them uh but i think that you know price is is uh, going to be that offense basically so uh i i feel good about uh, what I saw from him, and, and expect that he's going to get a lot more carries before Letty Brown. Super solid start to the day, and then West Virginia kind of did, you know, kind of kind of let off the gas a little bit. Didn't get him the ball as much in the second half. So um, that's, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily something you have to monitor because you're probably. Brown's going to be somebody that, if you drafted him, is going to be in your lineup pretty much every week. Um, but just a little bit of a frustration issue there. Um, Lou Nichols is somebody that, once Kobe Lewis went down with the ACL in fall camp, shot up. He's he's probably a, a top 20, top 15. I think maybe some people, he, he snuck into their top 10 uh, at the, the very final ranking. So he's somebody that you absolutely um, – you know, have to expect is, is going to be in a position to have big weeks like this. Take Bigsby is is uh, an elite guy. Uh, Bryant Kobach, I, I don't think that you and I talked about this, but when I ran my uh, statistical projections, our CFB winning edge uh, stat projections for uh, our CFF uh, rankings and, and uh, all that, Kobach actually finished as the highest uh, rated group of five running back. That was a surprise to me, but uh, Kobach is somebody that that um, I had in the you know late twenties, low thirties most of the the off season in my rankings. But he's somebody that that is is potentially uh, could have an elite season, could have a, a huge huge year. Zoneman Knight, I'm a little bit worried about because USF looked terrible defensively. And, uh, Ricky, yeah, Pearson Ricky person. Good. Yeah. He looked good. And so they've been sharing carries for years and Knight is productive, does great. You know, when he gets the ball, he, he does good things with it. Um, uh, but there are going to be some days where, uh, they feed person a little bit more or, you know, there's just not going to be very many days that Knight gets a significantly higher share of the carry. So it's it's kind of a tricky situation to navigate. But everybody else on the list are, are studs, are guys who are going to get a lot of carries. Uh, it's great to see them off to a, a strong start to the year. for Peoples, Vaughn, Rodriguez, Marks, uh, great start for those guys. Um, a lot of them beat up on some inferior opponents. And it, I guess now that I say it, Peoples, it worries me just a little bit. That, that Noel, I think, is going to be uh, somebody's going to have to share carries with. And when Harrington comes back in a month, it sounds like uh, he'll be in the mix as well. But he looked good, and, and you know, certainly produced last year. Uh, so you probably don't have to worry about it too much. But there's a little bit of that uh, deal that, that he and, and uh, Knight are both dealing with, where they've just got other talented guys in the backfield with them who are you know going to get some carries.
1: Now, the guys that had some rough days here, um, Sincere McCormick only had 12 and a half points. I kind of set the bar at like 15 or lower. Um, Austin Jones only had 25 yards on the ground, 30 through the air. Master Teague, obviously part of a platoon now. Ronnie Rivers didn't look great against Oregon, that was kind of to be expected, but um, uh, there was another running back that scored a touchdown and had just as many yards. Ulysses Bentley. Not too involved 48 yards for him. Eric Gray only 27 on the ground, negative six on one catch. so 21 total yards. Brian Robinson only had 60 yards. Wayne McBride looks like he might be part of a committee now 54 yards for him. Demontre Tuggle had 65 yards and two catches. Jalen Berger. I'm not even sure did Jalen Berger play? was he out? I don't think he played, now. Yeah, okay, so just a donut for him. Uh, Ty Chandler, just a whole UNC offense didn't look good. Tamir White, I mean, that was a 10-3 to 3 defensive battle in that game. Uh, Zach Evans, 8.7 points against Duquesne. And then uh, Ladarius Jefferson, uh, 38 yards and a score against Michigan. So some of these are to be expected, Nick. I think Evans got lifted early. I'm not really worried about Jefferson. Uh, Berger didn't even play. Um, but what about guys like Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride, Robinson, Gray, Bentley, uh, Teague and Aaron Jones, uh, sincere McCormick got banged up a little bit. So I'm not too worried about him either, but what about these other guys? Are you worried about any of these dudes? A little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Teague. I mean, it
0: seems like he's, he's probably third on my list of Ohio state running backs. I'd like to own right now. Uh, and he didn't get. A whole lot of action and and i don't really see that changing unless there's uh an injury or or something like that at at the position uh so that's that definitely bothers me and i know a lot of people spent some you know pretty high draft capital on on t probably and he's 99 percent owned obviously but that's a situation that is is very very worrisome uh that he is in i am worried about austin jones a little bit stanford did not look good, and that's uh, that's is gonna David be, Shaw's
1: team going to start getting a little warm.
0: I don't. It's, it's such a, such good a unique. Well, it's such a unique situation, at Stanford, where they just don't put a lot of you know. There's just not the pressure there that there is, yeah. at, 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 you know, most everywhere else. Um, and he is such a a part of that university. I have said before. I think he could. You know, he might be the athletic director there uh, before anything else. If he doesn't right. end up in the NFL because the NFL still seems to love him, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, he just he, I could be wrong, but I I think he's got the coldest seat in America. Maybe okay. I mean, there's just not there's just not that much pressure at Stanford to to win football games. Oddly enough, um, uh, but I could be wrong about that but I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> worried about Austin Jones a little bit. He's a guy that I liked, uh, a bit this summer. Um, but I, I knew he that looked my... good
1: last year too. I mean, they only played what four or five
0: games, but he yeah. looked solid. So, yeah. And, and you know, I, I knew my projections didn't really like Stanford all that much. Didn't really think the offensive line, uh, was all that great. And I don't, I don't think the Kansas State defense is all that great, to be honest with you. Um, I know that they've played, you know, a style of football that that kind of limits uh, opponents' opportunities and things like that. So it's it's uh, maybe to be expected that this was a low-scoring game for both teams. But um, overall, from a, a talent standpoint, I feel like Stanford should have been able to run the football. Uh, so I'm I'm worried about not. Jones specifically, I'm a little worried about the offensive line and if they're going to be able to, to give him room to operate. Um, so I think that's going to drag his value down a little bit. I didn't love uh, if I'm an Eric Gray owner, and I am in, a, in a multiple you know, best balls and, and things like that. I didn't love what Oklahoma was doing down by the goal line. Uh, yeah. Spencer Rattler had a, a touchdown run. Um, you know, sn- uh, had a sneak that came up short another time they brought in Caleb Williams, a uh, five-star f- freshman quarterback to uh run a touchdown in. Um that that gives me a little bit of a concern and then Kennedy Kennedy Brooks is you know the bigger back. So I just I if Gray doesn't score from 8 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards out, he might not score. Because they just are probably, or at least the way we, uh, or, or the way they distributed it today, uh, doesn't seem like he's going to, you know, be the first or maybe even second option close to the goal line. So that's a, a little bit of a concern. McBride, I know, broke a lot of hearts on Wednesday night. I mean, people were really excited about McBride and that what nine Jacksonville or seven State. yard, yeah, and and he was so explosive last year and he's a big body and he's in a situation one where he's sharing some carries. That was one that there were some reports and we didn't really want to believe it. Uh, But Jermaine Brown is, is in the mix there uh, was actually, you know, technically the starter and did start and did get carries. Uh, But also McBride fumbled twice. And that's a situation where the coaching staff's going to lose a little confidence in him and, and, he might lose a little confidence as well. I think he's really talented, and I think he will have some good weeks. But one, right now, I'm not loving, you know, the amount of of uh, touches that that it looks like he's going to get in the next few weeks, and kind of get gotta get that fumble uh, problem figured out. So I'm, I am worried about McBride for sure. Tuggle, that that was a weird one. I had Ohio actually favored in that game, uh, and they did did not obviously. Uh, reach double digits. I didn't see a second of it, so I gotta dig into that a little bit. I'm not sure what to think there. Berger, i I think he's in a lot of trouble. I think uh, Chez Mazzouli ran well early on and probably ran well enough to at least be the first guy out of the backfield next week, even if Berger is uh, healthy again, you know, I know he's been banged up and and so that's uh, you know something to to keep an eye on. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about Berger and he's somebody, fortunately that, that people were a lot higher on than me. So I'm not necessarily stuck with him, but if you are, I know that Wisconsin running back is, is a very valuable piece, but he doesn't seem to be in a a great situation. I'm not panicking about Ty Chandler. Uh, I'm not panicking about Zach Evans. I think he was suspended to start the game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and so that's a little bit of a,
1: they didn't need him.
0: Yeah. Right. And so his his, you know, off field things have 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 impacted his on field performance in, in his uh, high school career, of course. And and then, uh, uh, you know, this is it's is just something to monitor. There's going to be some things that you have to to deal with a little bit with Zach Evans. But the talent is there. So I'm not concerned about that. Zamir White. I mean, Georgia's got four solid running backs. He's he's just going to be. Uh, splitting time too much, I think he'll he'll pop off and have a hundred yard game, maybe a three touchdown night, you know, sometime. But he's also going to share carries with three other guys, and and so I, I don't really feel great about Zamir White and Ladarius Jefferson's in a, a you know split some time as well. Uh, I think Sean Tyler was the leading rusher if uh, if memory serves. Jackson Kincaid's in the mix there, so. Uh, Jefferson somebody that I, I did kind of like, and Michigan played great today. So um, it's a, a, a tougher defense than he'll face, certainly in Mac play. But, uh, yeah, you know, kind of need to see what the the pecking order is there. And if Jefferson is going to be uh, kind of a go-to guy, that's definitely one to watch. He's He's got some, um, you know, depth chart
1: concerns, I think uh going to the guys that had good games I mean Kenneth Walker for Michigan State just went crazy 264 yards and four touchdowns I knew you know we talked about this on CP Winning Edge about uh, Northwestern just having the least amount of returning production coming back I think it's like three offensive linemen and maybe five players on defense that that came back I don't even know if all of them were even starters anymore but it they looked terrible and he just ran all over and Mateo Durant for Duke you know look Duke did lose to Charlotte, but he looked huge, 255 yards and three touchdowns. Jaquavius Marks for Mississippi State had 71 yards and two scores on the ground, also had nine catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we talked about Ricky Pearson, 105 yards and two scores. It's a white for South Carolina. Don't know if I want to dive in on him because, you know, Kevin Harris might come back, and I think Marshawn Lloyd is the main dude there. Uh, even if Harris comes back 127 yards and a touchdown for him also had four catches in a score. Uh, Charles Williams had 177 yards and two scores for UNLV. Isaiah Bowser had a million carries and 172 yards and a score for uh, UCF. Rasheen Alley scored four times for Marshall, only 59 yards, but got in the end zone four times. Uh, Blake Corum looked like, I guess maybe the leading guy for Michigan. They haven't had a leading guy since Jim Harbaugh has been there, but 111 yards for him and two touchdowns, one he caught. Taj Brooks replacing Sir Roderick Thompson, 134 yards and two touchdowns against Houston. Logan Wright for Georgia Southern, 178 yards, and a score, uh, Jordan Whittington, who's really a receiver now, seven for 113 and a touchdown, still qualifies running back on fan tracks. Sean Tucker, 181 and a score. Um, Pete Mitchell for ECU looked good, um, five for 79 and a score and 50 rushing yards. Abram Smith for Baylor looks like they're leading back. Damian Pierce for Florida, had two touchdowns. Uh, Daneric Prince for Tulsa had 151 yards and a score. David Bailey still scoring, scored twice for Colorado State, even though uh, they got smashed. Um, then Brandon Thomas is the leading back in Memphis. You mentioned Chesmus Malusi from Wisconsin, had a 20, 121 yards and a score. And then Tavian Thomas for Utah, 107 yards and two scores. So I guess let's go with your top five here, Nick. Who are you picking up out of this group?
0: I think Kenneth Walker is somebody that if you have an opportunity, you just have to to pick him up. And, and I know that there were people. And he's only little, 28% rostered, so he should be. Yeah. There. Yeah. And, and he, and I saw some people upset that the practice uh, reports out of Michigan say, state didn't quite seem to indicate that he was the clear number one guy, but let's remember that. You know, Michigan State's not exactly the most open with the media; doesn't give a, a whole lot of access. So um, they were probably keeping that a little closer to the vest. But hey, now we've seen it. Now we've heard quotes from Tucker and other players that yeah, he does that in practice all the time. Uh, so he's somebody that that if you can go get, absolutely go get. Uh, as bad as I think Duke is, and actually as good as his uh, mate in the backfield. Uh, uh waters i believe number seven uh who had a, a run that we're going to see on highlights for years probably yeah. Did you see that that stiff arm where he yeah. just put the guy like a video back. game right oh man uh with with both of those situations still i think you go get durant if you can because he is the duke offense basically um mm-hmm they they you know threw it a little bit but he's especially when they get into conference play he's going to be their go-to guy and, they, and I think they're going to have to feed him if they're going to you know play competitive and as much of a talent disadvantage as Duke is, is at um I think that they're going to want to slow things down they're going to want to uh you know keep it close and and stay in it uh into the fourth quarter and that makes me think that they're going to feed Durant and we certainly saw against a pretty weak Charlotte defense but we saw a guy who's got the speed and athleticism to to break long runs as well so uh, I I think he's in a situation where you know normally you probably don't want a running back on a really bad team because the offensive line not going to be good enough to to give him a lot of room to operate but I think Durant is good enough that you know if he can see a uh a hole and and Get some daylight he can he can take it a long way so i think i would go uh for him i was really impressed with bowser um and we know that that gus malzahn does if he finds a running back that he likes that can handle a heavy workload he's going to feed it to him And, and bowser looked like uh the player that we got really excited about when he was a freshman in what 2018 um looked great looked you know, he he could make guys miss, and then he could run them over. So he was uh, a, a definitely a pleasant uh, early week uh, performer. Uh, I, w- I was going to say pleasant surprise, but he was the top of the depth chart guy, and uh, we've seen it before. So you know, good good to see that for sure. Um, a little little farther down the the line. I guess I I think I like Malusi. Um, I think that he's now performed when Berger wasn't available and I don't see any reason to expect that Berger is going to just get the job back when he's healthy. Um, They talked about it a little bit on the broadcast that, yeah, you can lose your job when you're injured. That, that, there's no rule that says you can't. Right, uh, and I think Malusi right now played well enough that he's he's going to be the guy until further notice. Um, so I, I was pretty impressed with him, even though that Wisconsin offense, you know, obviously struggled at times. He was a real bright spot, uh, and if he's going to get running back one type carries for Wisconsin. Um, then he's he's absolutely uh, a, a CFF a- asset. So um, everybody else, I I'm a little scared off. Of course, for Pearson because of uh, uh, because of Knight. I'm a little, as you mentioned, I'm worried about White because of the other guys in that South Carolina backfield. And plus, South Carolina is just not going to be that good i don't
1: right right
0: Uh, so that i'm i'm worried about charles williams i like him but unlv man they're going to lose a lot of games i mean they lost this
1: game to eastern washington exactly
0: it's similar to the durant uh situation but i just don't think he's quite as talented or as explosive as durant so i'm i'm i I might i might say him but i i uh, i just don't love the UNLV situation. I think I'd go with Marks because he's going to, especially if you're in a PPR league. Right. Right. I mean, he's getting so many targets and catches. Uh, he's, he's not going to run a ton, but he's going to have opportunities in the red zone. And then he's going to be a guy, he might catch,
1: you know,
0: eight passes a game. Right. Um So, Max that's, Corgi,
1: you know, that, for uh, sure. Just, I mean, he's coming from,
0: so. Yeah. Uh, we just had so a, a three-run double in the Utah State game. <laughs> they're up. They're up eight to six in the wow. uh, thir- in the third inning now.
1: I saw that <laughs> um, in the third inning. I saw a Guarantano left with a leg injury, so it wasn't uh, poor performance or anything. He did get banged up. Uh, going over to wide receivers here, Nick. The guys own over fifty percent and had huge games. There's a ton of them. Uh, Corey Rucker picking right up at Arkansas state, uh, nine catches for 138 and three scores. They did play central Arkansas. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Justin Hall, eight catches for 137 yards and two for Ball State. Uh, Then uh, Aeneas Smith for Texas A&M, eight for 102. Jarrett Stearns for Western Kentucky. Someone had to catch all those touchdowns. Bailey Zappi was throwing, and he had two of them, seven for 107. Uh, Your boy Wandale Robinson got in the end zone twice, five for 125. Chris Olave had four for 117 and two touchdowns. Drake London for USC, uh, 13 catches for 144 yards. Ah, uh, Khalil Shakir had five for ninety-one and two. uh, Keishon Booty, uh, two touchdowns, and then all guys well over a hundred yards. Uh, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Jalen Robinson, Javon Hiley had a hundred yards. Those guys all had hundred and a touchdown. Asuka had seven for one seventy-nine uh, for Texas Tech. Jalen Tolbert had six for one eighty-four for South Alabama. Uh, David Bell, the first wide receiver off the board, eight for one hundred and thirty-four. Jahan Dotson had a big day. Etchie scored, uh, Garrett Wilson, Bo Mel- Melton, and Jalen Cropper all scored as well. So big-time performers from these guys. I don't think that there is really a surprise on this list at all, uh, but I think it's a surprise that so many top-owned guys performed and put up over uh, you know, 17, 18 points is kind of the marker that I made here. Uh, a lot of big-time performers in Week 1.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and a great start for a lot of the – earliest uh you know receivers off the board. Boutet, uh it, w- it was great to see Bell come on. Dotson started really slow, but had a big, big second half, really helped propel Penn State to that victory. Uh Josh Downs is someone that uh, similar mindset to that previous conversation about Bryce Young and TJ young LA. Yeah, I saw he had a huge bowl game, but I-, I needed to see a little bit more to be willing to go up and, and pay the price uh, for where he was getting drafted and, and everywhere I was, um, you know, the leagues I'm competing in. And there were people who were just much more willing to go out and get it. Uh, I was I was slow on it, but now I'm a believer. I mean, he was, man, he was good. Uh, and, and he's part of the reason that I think Sam Howell is going to be okay is because he's got Josh Downs. He's, he's right. I'm, I'm absolutely a believer now. Jareth Stearns is somebody I think you have to go get um, 79% owned. If he's available, man, you, you have to go get him because that Western Kentucky offense is going to throw the ball a ton. Khalil Sakir is somebody that uh, we learned. Isn't that here? We've been saying that. Well, so that's what they were saying during the broadcast, but then they would slip in a Shakir every once in a while. So I need to look. There's probably a pronunciation guide on the <laughs> chart. Um, so I said secure because that's what what I heard more often than not on the, on the broadcast. But uh, I, I think at this point we could probably be forgiven if, if we uh, say one or the other and, until we find out for sure. Um, but, uh, but I did hear secure a lot, yeah. But we found out that he was on a pitch chart or a pitch chart, pitch count um and so he was a big part of the offense and they were still being a little bit cautious with him in week 1 cuz he'd been a little bit banged up in the summer and and uh uh was working his way back to to 100% so uh great to see him off to a great start um I know Olave and Wilson are guys that um compete against each other for targets but only 3 Ohio State wide receivers got targets in that game. So it seems like they're the guys, they're the go-to guys. And and uh, when they're playing, you know, top, top competition, uh, they're going to get a heavy workload. So I think we can feel pretty good about having one of those guys, John Mechie. Uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sure early in the the spring and summer, if he was going to be the guy, I think I can pretty, you know, yeah. I, I can rest assured now that, that he certainly is. Um, and it's good to see some, some, uh, guys who were, uh, big time, uh, you know, first year performers last year, back it up and, and, uh, take their games, uh, if not to another level, at least show that, Hey, they've got staying power guys like Corey Rucker guys like, um, you know, Zay flowers, you mentioned Jalen Robinson, Hey. Oklahoma could use Jalen Robinson right now, right? He <laughs> transferred from there a couple of years ago, uh, but looks like he's going to get plenty of, of opportunities in, in the UCF offense. Uh, so we shouldn't worry so much, you know, as we were a few months ago about him. Cropper similarly is, is going to be a big part of that offense um, moving forward. And, and so good to see these guys that uh, flashed at times uh, were really able to take their game to to or, or at least live up to expectations of, of where they've been drafted. A lot of high, high draft picks here um, performing in, in their first opportunity. It's great to see. Uh,
1: now, the guys that didn't perform here, there's almost an equally as big list. Uh, Justin Ross, only four catches for 26 yards, of course, coming off of the Uh, Spinal surgery for him, but he did look good out there. Just didn't perform very well uh, statistically. Traylon Burks, 5 for 42. He was under 10 points. Reggie Roberson was 3 for 59. Um, uh, Romeo Dubs hadn't even started this game. He's already got a touchdown now, too. Uh, Johannes Taylor, only 4 for 32 uh, for Ball State. Sean Dykes, uh, we'll talk about in the tight ends. Uh, Tyrese Ritchie, 2 for 31. J.R. Shorter, 1 for 17. Deshaun Polk didn't catch a ball. Quentin Johnson, four for 38. Khalil Pimpleton, four for 38. Uh, Baden from East Michigan. Sneed and Johnson both on here against App State. Sorensen only had two catches for Miami of Ohio. Uh, Taj Harris, six for 29, less than 10 points. And Jermaine Burton for uh, UGA. Is there anyone you are worried about in particular? So I...
0: I I want to know what happened with poke. I I didn't see that game really until the second half. And and I didn't notice that he wasn't involved at all. Was he playing? Uh, Do you know that that's something I I don't
1: know, but I do know that crumb only threw for 89 total yards. So I guess that was probably most of it.
0: That's something to see if there's a, an injury or or something like that, that we need to be aware of Pimpleton, I think got banged up. Uh, So that's something we'll need to follow up on. Um Burton uh, you know I know that he's expected to be the go-to guy at Georgia and I know they were playing Clemson who's one of the best defenses in the country but you know it, it's sort of that situation that we've been talking about for years where we need to we need to see that Georgia offense take a step forward before we can really trust uh, a guy there and and you know last year George Pickens obviously uh, really performed well and it seemed like Burton's going to be able to step into those shoes, but, you know, we we do kind of need to see it. Uh, So I I have a little bit of concern there, but I think everybody else, I can sort of brush it off a little bit. Justin Ross, you know, we didn't expect Ngata to have quite the game that he did, Um, but I I still feel like Ross is is going to get up to speed and and be a go-to guy. Burks has been a, a bit banged up. It was good to see him out there. Um, Roberson has had injury issues before, but again, good to see him out there. Johannes Tyler just happened to be Justin Hall's day. I think, uh, Tyrese Ritchie, uh, didn't love that NIU offense to be quite honest. Right. Uh, so that's, uh, something to watch. Uh, Quentin Johnston, they just blew out. Duquesne didn't need him, uh, but a couple of the injury issues here, or there. Keep an eye on Burton. I wasn't in love with as a, a, a you know a guy. Didn't draft him anywhere. I don't think. Um, so I'm I'm you know a little concerned there. Uh, but I think most of the guys toward the top of this list just happened to be you know just just didn't quite get the target in the red zone or, or, you know, uh, had other guys who did perform or, or what have you. So I think we can have a little bit of patience with the guys on the top of this list, but if there's an injury concern, of course, uh, you know, we're going to have to to check back in on a few of these.
1: Now there is, uh, as always a gigantic list of guys that performed well and, uh, scored over 17 points, uh, for wide receivers that are under 50% rostered. Zakari Franklin for UTSA, uh, thirty-one point five points. He had ten catches for one hundred and fifty-five yards and a score. He looked real good. Frank Harris looked pretty solid too against uh, Illinois. Um, then uh, Samori Teray for uh, Nebraska, who's only seven percent owned, had eight catches for one hundred and thirty-three. Shakori Sullivan, who is one percent owned, and he's had some decent games before. Eight for one hundred and two and two touchdowns for Central Michigan. Uh, Grant Dubose Dubois. I'm not sure how he pronounces it. Four for one eighteen and two scores uh, for Charlotte against Duke, um, and then uh, you know Danny Gray one hundred thirty three and touchdown for uh, SMU. He is forty eight percent rostered. Uh, Jalen Lane had four for ninety one and touchdown, zero uh, percent owned for Middle Tennessee. Josh Ali for Kentucky. Five for one thirty six in a score. Raheem Jarrett for uh, Maryland f- six for one twenty two and a score. Seven for one thirteen and a touchdown for Jordan Whittington, as we alluded to earlier. Uh, Trey Shropsfire uh, five for one twenty eight and a touchdown for uh, UAB. Victor Tucker eight for one thirty three for Charlotte. Jamison Williams is thirty five percent owned. He had four for one twenty six and a touchdown. Travalian Hunt for Arkansas State. Uh, N- uh, Nate Dell for Houston. Uh, Thomas Hennigan for app uh Mario Douglas for Liberty. Roderick Burns for North Texas. Keelan Marlin scored two touchdowns for Yukon in a loss to Holy Cross. Um, uh, Steven Robinson, uh, five for 79, uh, two touchdowns for Lawrence Arnold for Kansas. So I guess, give me a couple guys that you were uh, impressed with and you're going to be, you know, spending money or waiver wire order for uh, this week, Nick.
0: Uh, so, Toure at, at Nebraska was an FCS All-American at Montana. Uh, they used him on a couple of option running plays. It was kind of interesting. Uh, scored a rushing touchdown, I believe. So that's something to watch. If he's going to get involved in plays like that, that's something I'm interested in. I need to know more about Pimpleton's injury situation because if he is uh, in a situation where he's going to be out or, or limited, then that makes me really like Ja'Cory Sullivan. Uh, two years ago, he, he did have a lot of, you know, really solid performances. Last year, didn't so much, but uh, I think he can do it. Grant DuBose, kind of an unknown. He's a, a transfer in, and his first game, it was he's like a, a FCS or, or Division two or something transfer. I, I probably want to know a little bit more about him before I, uh, you know, jump out and get him, especially with so many options out there but he was impressive. Uh, I want to know more about Micah Davis at Air Force. Is he involved in, you know, what's his role in the running game? That wasn't a game that I saw at all. Um, but if he's somebody that's playing the running back position with wide receiver eligibility, you know, that's something to, to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, I'm surprised he's under 50% owned. I mean, that, he's a stud and, and had a, a big touchdown uh, today, both he and Demas uh, at, at Maryland. So I know it's kind of been a one or the other, who's, who's you know, Jared's the more talented, but Demas is the more proven. Uh, they're both going to be good. And we talked about Tonga Bailoa having a, a big game. Uh, so I think, you know, either of those guys is a good option. Uh, Trey Shopshire for UAB is, I think, going to be the go-to guy. I'm surprised he's only 2% owned. Um, I know he had a slow start to the game. But I I do think he's somebody I'm really interested in. I'm really surprised Victor Tucker is 30% owned. He's been proven. He's a guy who's, um, you know, we've year after year uh, been on lists like this, popping up, having a big game. Uh, Jameson Williams showed that incredible speed, also showed us how uh, incredibly talented that Ohio State wide receiver room is. If he couldn't produce there, transfers to Alabama, and is probably the number two guy. Uh, behind Mechie there, so he's certainly somebody that you probably want. Uh, Tez Johnson, somebody who uh, for Troy, that has been a productive offense, and they lost Kylen uh, Keelan Geiger to Texas Tech. Uh, if if Johnson's in that role, he's somebody that I'm interested in. Isaiah Williams at Illinois is a special talent. Uh, I'm I was sad to see him move from the quarterback position, but if he's you know, a wide receiver is going to get on the field more. If they're uh, as as uh, good of a coaching staff as I think they they can be at Illinois, uh, they're going to get him involved still in the running game. And if he gets, you know, he can take a short pass a long way. Uh, so he's somebody I'm I'm really really interested in. I saw some good things from Jared Means, bub. Uh, I think Bub Means is his uh, mm-hmm. name on the roster at uh, at Louisiana Tech. They showed some real promise today, so you know, and and he was a, a part of that. So I'm I'm uh, interested in him, but I think there are probably more better proven options on this list. Joseph Ngata, you know, was this the breakout performance we've been waiting two years for? Uh, or, or you know, I, it, it looked him and like it
1: canma, I think I saw them both in their spring games, and I was going nuts about him. And <laughs> they both performed well opening week here, so that's nice. yeah.
0: So I feel better about his encounter than I do in yeah. uh just from a consistency standpoint, but you know, is this repeatable for him? If so, he's got a chance to be pretty valuable. Uh, I just don't know if I can trust him. I think there are other guys on this list that I can trust a little bit more guys like Toure uh, guys like Danny gray, who has that incredible speed, either Maryland uh, receiver, and even to a certain extent, Trey Shopshire. I mean, I, I've really started to get higher and higher on him in, in recent weeks. Uh, and then Victor Tucker is just super consistent and uh, a pretty solid player as well. So I think I don't think we have to reach just yet for some guys on the lower end of, of this list. Uh, I, I think there are some relatively sure things out there, guys who are going to perform week in and week out, that we can still you know, go get uh, pretty, pretty easily on the, on the waiver wire.
1: Now going over to the tight ends and, you know, Nick knows my disdain for uh, tight ends here, but uh, there are some big time performers. I mean, Trey McBride, 13 catches for 116 yards. So he had a huge game. Uh, Greg Dulich for UCLA had two for 98 and a score. Uh, and that was before the game even ended. Uh, so I know he had a big day there. Uh, Kate Otten, eight for 82. Uh, Jake Ferguson had a big game, nine catches for 52 yards, some acrobatics for him as well. Isaiah likely went over 10 points as well, five for 64. Will Mallory, only two catches for 12 yards. Sean Dykes, one catch for five yards. Worry about either one of those guys, Nick?
0: I don't think so, uh, and and I was a little quick uh, to dismiss Brandon Thomas from Memphis when we talked about running backs. I think that you know playing an FCS opponent, they had a, a long list of running backs that they wanted to get involved. I think that's more what happened to Dykes, maybe in a freshman quarterback too. I didn't watch any of the game; haven't seen it yet. Uh, but uh, with with that being the case, I'm I my my early gut. Uh, feeling tells me not to be worried about Dykes just yet. Uh, but I, I did want to go back to Thomas and, and think he's definitely somebody worth a look, uh, but want to see some highlights of the game, see how he looked for sure. Mallory, I think he's going to be a real big part of that offense. Um, so I, I, I'm not real that. worried
1: about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now all these tight ends caught two touchdowns. So normally I'm just looking for any tight end that scores over 10 points to talk about, but there are some huge performers here. Uh, Payne Durham for Purdue. Who's 9% rostered had a seven for 120 and two touchdowns. Daniel Barker for Illinois, five for 74 and two scores. Uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah had four for 75 and two touchdowns. He is 0% rostered. Uh, Joshua Simon, uh, three for 73 and two touchdowns for Western Kentucky, Grant Calcaterra and Nolan Matthews, both for SMU Calcaterra, of course, 31% owned, a uh, 0% for Nolan Matthews, both three for 50 uh, and two scores. Uh, Cameron Latu for Alabama had four for 82, uh, four for 18, excuse me, and two scores five for 51 and a touchdown for crawl and Garrett Prince for UAB had three catches for 64 yards and touchdown. And there's a, bunch of other guys on this list. Sam LaPorta for Iowa had a big game um, and then you know everybody else had just listed guys that had over 10 points. So there's a bunch of them here, Nick, but maybe I need to up that for this year. But I mean, we were getting nothing uh, setting in at 10 points some weeks last season. So uh, some big time performers. Is there anyone you're running to the wire for?
0: I think if you can get Payne Durham, you, you have to do it. Uh, did, did catch a good chunk of that game and he was, other than Bell, a go-to guy for uh, for uh, Jack Plummer. So I, I think for sure he's somebody that, that we've been waiting on a little bit. Uh, and it hurt him to where, as you mentioned, he's only on 10% uh, or less than 10% of rosters. But if he's going to be the second receiver or, you know, a strong third in that Purdue offense where they throw the ball a ton, uh, I think he's absolutely somebody that you've got to go get. Um, I'm I think Cameron Latu at Alabama. Uh Jaleel Billingsley's a guy that we got really excited about uh, all off season. Uh looking forward to his athleticism in a full year, but it seems like he's just in Nick Saban's doghouse and uh it's gonna take a little while to get out. And if Latu's gonna, you know, catch a couple of touchdown passes, one of them a really uh impressive, you know, catch and run breaking tackles. Then, then he's somebody that, that I definitely want to give a look to. Uh, Lucas Kroll is on Bruce Feldman's freaks list, I believe. So he's somebody that you're going to want to take a look at. Um, uh, Sam Laporta at Iowa. We know Iowa tight ends. Uh, Trey Berry at, at Boston College, a transfer from Jacksonville State. Uh, I retweeted something uh, early on today. I know it was against Colgate, but uh, he, you know, hurdle the guy and, and uh, as part of a long touchdown run. Uh, So he's somebody that you're definitely going to want was really productive at the FCS level. And it looks like he's going to be involved heavily in a pretty pass heavy offense for Boston college. Uh, Jordan Myers is a unique case. He was listed as the starting uh, running back at rice on the depth chart was a real surprise. We knew he was actually going to get a few carries. So I was pretty high on Myers, I uh, thought it was just going to be a goal line situation so uh, we'll have to check the the eligibility I think there are in some cases if he's a a sure you know if he's playing running back only uh, his eligibility might switch you would know better than I on on that for sure but that's just something to be aware of uh, perhaps as, as an issue but if, if I think he qualifies for
1: both right now so if
0: he does and if he keeps it then I think he's somebody absolutely is is a, a very very intriguing option because you know he's gonna to get touchdown uh, you know rushing touchdowns um, so so somebody that that really interests me there and then Brock Bowers watching the Georgia game uh, I know that uh, Daryl Henderson or uh, uh, Washington is the Really, really high ceiling guy uh, at tight end, but he's been banged up. Brock Bowers, in his first game as a true freshman against Clemson, was a go-to guy for JT Daniels. I think he's going to be involved in the offense. So, and and he's really, really talented in his own right. Uh, So, yeah, there are there are plenty of options. Calcaterra. Yeah, if you don't, already, you know, if he's available, go get him. I don't right. think Nolan Matthews is going to be able to repeat this most weeks, but Calcutta is going to be a go-to guy. Uh, so I think that his production is just going to going to increase. So yeah, go get him, Dalton Kincaid. They do still have Brent Keithy. So uh, Kincaid had a big game. Keithy's still there. Uh, you know, I, I think Kincaid's emergence actually makes me a little bit worried about Keithy. But I'm not ready to get super excited yet about Kincaid. Daniel Barker had an impressive touchdown, one at least one that I saw. Uh, but I also, you know, Luke Ford's there. So there's there's some some big games that we had here. But it's also important to know a little bit of context, and a little bit of the uh, depth chart situation, who is the opponent, uh, all of that. But I think your safest bets. Payne Durham did it against a Power Five opponent. And he's in a high uh, passing offense. Um, uh, who did I say? Calcaterra. We've seen him do it before. At he's a thirty-one
1: percent rostered, the only guy on the list higher than him was James Mitchell, who had a touchdown as well for Virginia Tech. Right. So, right. but but I mean, you know, he's available in most leagues. That sure. Formed, so. And I think so. I think Durham
0: and Calcaterra are kind of my co-number ones. Go get them. I think Barry is high on that list. I think Myers is high on that list. And then yeah, Mitchell
1: as well. I'll throw Laporta in there as well. Uh, because you sure. know, we've seen Iowa just you know, pepper the tight end with targets before. So uh, I think he's someone who could emerge as a pretty good option if you're in a deeper league as well. But that is it. A little bit longer than our normal Saturday show. But, I mean, week one has so much stuff to break down. So and, you know, many FCS games. <laughs> yeah, so many FCS games. So there's a lot of big-time performers. And there's guys that we weren't expecting to start. Start. Guys that we weren't expecting per- to perform. Perform. Guys who we were expecting to perform better. Perform badly week one um looking at you sam Howell. so uh you know there's all kinds of stuff to go over here but um you know like i said i should be back with john and eric uh during this week so um pay attention for that and we should be on a normal schedule moving forward here i am gonna miss probably a saturday show at some point this year because i'm gonna go watch the longhorns play in austin So uh, that is going to happen at some point this year. So I'll try to make it a Friday game or something. I'll try to see uh, if I can get a Friday game or, uh, you know, if they play early, maybe I can get back in time to record. But I, you know, most likely I'm going to miss one of these. But uh, you guys should know about that ahead of time. But follow us both on Twitter at Bogman Sports for me at CFB Winning Edge for Nick. And we will see you guys later in the week. Take it easy, everybody.